how will the ongoing coronavirus pandemic affect financial markets and Opportunity Zones? This is a special edition of the Opportunity Zones podcast and possibly the first in a series of episodes reacting to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. I hope you're all staying well out there and please enjoy the episode. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast, the weekly show where we interview Opportunity Zones professionals and experts from fund managers to tax advisors, from real estate developers to venture capitalists. If it impacts Opportunity Zones or the Opportunity Funds industry, we cover it here on the Opportunity Zones podcast. Welcome to the Opportunity Zones podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Atkinson. Speaking with me today to discuss the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on financial markets and opportunity zones is Craig Bernstein. Craig is principal of OPZ Capital, which launched the OPZ Capital Opportunity Zone Fund in 2018. He joins us today from his home office in Washington, D.C. Craig, always great to speak with you. Welcome back to the podcast. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jimmy. Um, Pleasure to be here today and uh, hope everyone out there is uh, staying safe and hopefully... uh, successfully coping um, with what's been going on lately. Yes, absolutely. So this is actually the first podcast interview that I've done since the COVID-19 pandemic really hit the United States. Uh, We're recording this on March 19, 2020. I'm not exactly sure when this is going to come out, but I I think I'm going to try to get this episode out pretty quickly, Craig, because I know we have a lot of timely things to discuss. So first, I do want to talk about the coronavirus pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic that is spreading across the world and has forced a lot of people to stay home and has really shut down large swaths of the U.S. economy and and the world economy, really. So, Craig, turning to you now, uh, you have relationships with a lot of investors, a lot of family offices. From speaking with people, in terms of loans, lines of credit, tenant issues, what are you hearing exactly right now? What are your big takeaways from what's going on out there right now? Yeah, um, I, I came from a family office background. I mean, as you mentioned, and a lot of the conversations I have really are, you know, focused on speaking with chief investment officers. Um, right now, within the past two or three days, it seems like this has really gone from zero to 100. And right now, there is a lot of concern and a lot of wait and see. Um, there has been significant tightening um, in terms of monetary, more so bank lending standards. And several families I've spoken with, I've seen, you know, the coin in both sides of it. Um, on one hand, there are several families that are looking at drawing down their lines of credit to have available capital if needed, um, either for potential buying opportunities or, you know, I think a concern that if they try to draw on the line, you know, two weeks or three, four weeks from now, they'd have a difficult time. The flip side of that coin is there are other families that had outstanding loan balances already. Some of them were drawn down on margin lines and utilized for purchasing you know, various assets, some in um, public equities that have been called away. Um, the banks are taking a very, very cautious approach right now. And the feedback that I'm receiving from you know, the couple larger banks that I've spoken with is their biggest fear right now is deposits leaving, um, which would have a significant impact on kind of their, their own ratios, lending ratios, to ensure they have the appropriate liquidity levels. Right. So obviously, a tightening of the credit market, uh, lack of liquidity, um, or at least concerns over lack of liquidity. And we've seen the stock markets really plummeting here over the past couple of weeks. So a lot of uncertainty in 
in the in the real estate marketplace and in the stock markets. Uh, Craig, long term though, how do you think this is going to affect the real estate marketplace? And now tying in with Opportunity Zones specifically, since this is the Opportunity Zones podcast, how specifically, Craig, do you think this is going to affect the the Opportunity Zones marketplace long term? Yeah, well, I I think at this point, as we sit here today and kind of right in the the center of it, in the thick of things, um, I mean, this is obviously a situation that's evolving on a daily basis. Um, when we look at, you know, REITs and, and publicly traded REITs, which I think is, you know, you're looking at some names that are down 40, 50%. Um, yesterday, you know, you look at a Marriott that's down 30%, a Wynn Resorts that's now down, I think 65, I think I saw 65%. Um, I think there's definitely a lot of fear and, and now's not the time, you know, to, to be making drastic decisions. My biggest concern for the real estate sector moving forward is vacancies. Um, I think that you are going to see some smaller businesses, both primarily on the the retail side of the equation um, and some smaller office tenants, more people that are in kind of that startup world, um, unfortunately, you know, succumb um, from an economic perspective um, that might have been triggered by this virus. The other sector that um, is causing me a great deal of concern right now is also the hospitality space. Um, When you're talking to hospitality operators, some of these hotels right now that would normally be running at a 60, 70, 80, 90% occupancy level um, are at one, two, 3%. Some hotels altogether are shut down as you um, have seen in, in some places, you know, as an example in Las Vegas where you're, you know, seeing large swaths of properties. We mentioned wind, but if you look at a Las Vegas Sands or an MGM Resorts that just, you know, right off the bat are, are closing down operations across the board. Um, the biggest question I think people need to ask is when you look at these companies or your own portfolio is, you know, what does your balance sheet look like? What are your, you know, what is your debt obligations? What are your liabilities? You know, wh- where's your break even point? Unfortunately, with cheap capital, Part of the problem is that people really levered up properties and sucked out a lot of equity um, that had built up and, and really accrued um, over the past three, four years. Um, unfortunately, I think that you know there are going to be some people that are in trouble, which I think ultimately will create potential buying opportunities. But at this point in time, I think it's premature to um, to speculate, you know, where the opportunity set will lie and how deep of opportunities. Um, will be presented to us potentially. Right. So I think, as you pointed out, obviously one of the hardest hit areas is going to be hospitality, uh, t- tourism-based properties, hotels, casinos, and specifically, as you mentioned, in Las Vegas, the MGM resorts and the Wynn resorts that took the unprecedented action of shutting themselves down not not too long ago. Uh, I, I believe that Las Vegas actually then shut down everything else in the city they came in and, and later told everyone else to shut down as well. So, uh, yeah, getting back to your storm analogy, I kind of agree that is where we're at right now. Where it does feel like we're in the middle of the storm, and it's it's uh, very hard to see. It's very hard to see any clearing on the horizon, and there is a lot of uncertainty. So it is kind of difficult to predict the future at this point in time when you really can't even see through the clouds. Uh, but Craig, do you see any value in any specific asset classes in real estate? I know you were. Uh, a little bit reluctant to pinpoint any specific area uh, in in your previous answer, but uh, but do do you think there might be anything that may come out 
on the other side of this all right uh, where you see any value uh, any any insight there yeah i mean i i think that the majority of the people that are are listening today i mean for the most part we i would imagine that all the listeners went through the 2008 recession um every time america has shown you know, a tremendous amount of resilience if we look back at you know kind of even the dot-com bust and then 9-11 2008 i think that this will go down obviously as a major you know historical event in the united states and we always seem to find a way to, to bounce back um, so far the administration has taken a, a very proactive approach to providing ample liquidity into the marketplace um, I see no reason why the economy won't bounce back. The question is, how long does that take for businesses, you know, to to go back and for people to start traveling again and offices to open up and real business and and GDP start to accelerate again? Um, Some estimates have said, you know, by the summer, we could have a, a little bit more, you know, clear visibility. I think at this point in time, you know, the real focus needs to be on obviously a vaccine. Um, and, you know, does this drag on 12, 18 months and, and change life, you know, the way we know it? Um, it, it? It probably does. I mean, I think if anything, it provides awareness. In terms of opportunity set, I mean, I think that the opportunity that will present itself, as I mentioned, I mean, hospitality, there will be good hotels that, for whatever reason, um, some due to maybe um, potentially financial engineering um, of the existing ownership group, that will create buying opportunities. Um, in addition, and I still think that, you know, multifamily is very interesting and occupancy levels, um, if people still do have a job, so to speak, that occupancy levels of buyers that might have been historically looking to um, acquire a home and, and go more to first sale type of property um, will be staying in rental um, property longer. So, again, that's something that from a um, everything we're focused on really is is focused on um, capital preservation and trying to mitigate risk. And I still believe that even given this recent turbulent times, that multifamily will be one of the least volatile asset classes, specifically within the real estate sector. Right, right, Craig. You you brought up the the past recession. I'm I'm curious now. How does what's happening right now? in the financial markets compare for you personally, Craig, if you want to compare this to past crises, uh, past financial crises uh, throughout the course of your lifespan, uh, you go back to the recession of 2008, 2009, go back to 9-11, go back to the dot-com dot bust at the end of the 90s. And, and now I'm sure some of our listeners are old enough to remember very well the savings and loan crisis of the 80s as well. How does what's happening right now, though, Craig, compare for you personally? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a great question. I mean, I, I think for me personally, yesterday, um, and again, you know, today's Thursday, March 19th, and, you know, obviously this has been a day by day. Yesterday, um, which was March 18th, was the first time in the afternoon, I mean, after the president addressed the nation that for the first time in the past month, to me at least, it felt kind of like 08. Um, and, and what I mean by that is when you looked at, you know, the equity markets and started seeing things, let's use Wynn Resorts as an example. And you say, oh my God, it's at $52. Whoa. You look again, it's at 50, 48, 46, 44. 
it was the first time, in my opinion, where, you know, for the most part, while these sell-offs have been brutal for the equity markets and we're seeing these volatile swings, it, it's been pretty orderly. And, and what I mean by that, I know that sounds scary to say, but if you look at the charts or you're watching it, you know, intraday is it's, it's very kind of smooth. You're not seeing huge gaping holes in the Dow or NASDAQ or S&P when these drops are occurring. Um, you know, when you start seeing very, very wide spreads between bid and ask on names and they're a dollar, two dollars wide, that to me is scary and, you know, indicates a significant lack of liquidity. Where we are seeing that lack of liquidity now and those wide spreads really is in the credit markets, um, starting first with, you know, investment grade corporate bonds, then going to, you know, more kind of you know, high yield bonds, even the treasury markets two, three days ago. And I think the government and the treasury department have done an excellent job, you know, ensuring that there's ample liquidity in the market to help absorb um, any liquidity concerns. Um, I do have real concerns about kind of the, the high yield market. Um, and I think that that could have, I'm not saying it's, you know, if we look back, um, could that be, you know, the 2000, as we had the, the housing off and when you look at, you know, CMBS and mortgage backed securities, you know, affecting the market and being the real catalyst for the 08. Um, I think that there's a significant amount of excess in the market um, in some of these junk bonds and kind of companies that are, are B rated, et cetera, um, that unfortunately, you know, won't make it. And this could be the tipping point for them. Um, right now, that's, you talk about something that keeps me up at night. Um, and again, you know, from a real estate perspective, obviously vacancies, but it's all tied together um, from both a consumer spending perspective and business perspective. And, you know, right now it's a global economy and, and everything's intertwined. Right, Craig, that's a, that's a really good point you bring up there. The concerns about the high yield bond marketplace, junk bonds, and the ability of the debtors to pay back those creditors, those bondholders. I, I think that's a real concern there. That's some good insight, Craig. I want to uh, tie this conversation back into Opportunity Zones now for a little bit here as we wind down our conversation. And I'm going to set a number that was touted by the Treasury Department and other backers of the Opportunity Zones when that incentive first started going uh, toward the end of 2017 after the TCJA was passed. And the number is $6.1 trillion. And that was the amount of money that was really eligible to be invested into Opportunity Zones. Uh, it, what it is, is the amount of capital gains that were on the balance sheets of both individual investors and corporate investors at the end of 2017, as of the end of 2017. So, And as you know, 2018 and 2019 went on, and that number kept climbing up, up, up as, as markets reached new heights. But now we've been in a market decline for the past couple of weeks, and markets are below their uh, pre-2018 levels now. So. What's happening here, Craig, is, well, I, th I think my main point is I think there's two sides to this coin. I think on one side, you have people who may have been participating in the drawdown over the past few weeks, selling their stocks and mutual funds and ETFs in, in the stock market. And potentially, they've recognized quite a bit of capital gains over the past couple of weeks during this drawdown period. Uh, but on the other side of the coin, I don't know if you may see this the same way I do, but I, I see a potential buying opportunity here. I don't know if we've hit bottom yet, but uh, you know, one way or another, 
you know, you're, if you buy stocks today, you're buying it at a, you know, about 30% cheaper than you would have just a couple of weeks ago, which is somewhat enticing. So what, what are your thoughts on what's happening here, Craig? And, and what's happening with that, that number, that $6.1 trillion figure? And, and is there an opportunity here potentially one way or another? Yeah, I mean, I think the the big thing is, you know, when we throw around that six trillion dollar number came out in kind of the first quarter of 2018 when the program first started. Let's just look at, you know, something that we can all relate to, and, and Apple as an example. Um, at the beginning of 2018, um, if my memory serves me correct, I think Apple was at probably about 180 dollars a share. It, it then went up to about 320 dollars a share. I believe it peaked around one point. I think it was about a $1.5 trillion market cap. Um, today, Apple's probably just over a trillion dollars, maybe $1.1 trillion. Um, so I, I think that part of it is, and the comment of the $6 trillion, the $6 trillion, given the, the tremendous rise we had last year, um, specifically really in the NASDAQ, when you looked at you know, an Apple and an Amazon, Microsoft, really, really accelerating, probably took the gains closer to nine trillion, eight and a half to nine trillion. So I still think there's a tremendous amount of gains that are available in the marketplace. The issue really comes of risk. And when you look at baby boomers right now, and, um, you know, I've spoken with my parents and, you know, family friends, and they're scared right now. You know, do they want to go through a long drawn out, if you're 75, 80 years old, do you want to go through a protracted period right now of uncertainty? Um, I think we are going to see, you know, several people that are withdrawing and, and might have before considered going to an opportunity zone, maybe saying, hey, I'm going to wait it out on the sidelines. That being said, there are a significant number of people that are saying, hey, I do want to make this investment because my alternative is bonds. And if you look at the 10-year treasury right now at you know 100 basis points, 1%, and you could get 5 6% on a risk-adjusted return basis in real estate, um, you know, that, that's a pretty compelling argument if you're able to buy you know, high-quality real estate in major metropolitan areas um, you know, once this virus and kind of the, the, the pullback we're experiencing now um, and uncertainty subsides. In summary, still a tremendous amount of gains out there, trillions of dollars, real opportunity once the dust settles, um, and still, you know, a significant number of retirees that will be seeking, you know, if you can get four or five times return, comparing 1% to a, you know, four or five, 6% return in real estate, I still believe that real estate will play a very, very key component and, um, you know, is a very critical part of, um, you know, individual investors' overall asset allocation model. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. And, you know, I, Craig, I got to believe that over the past couple of weeks, there have been a lot of people who have withdrawn from the stock market. You know, uh, maybe you've taken a little bit off the table here during this drawdown over the past couple of weeks. If, if that's the case, you almost certainly have a substantial amount of capital gains Obviously, that depends on how long you've been invested and how much you've had invested, and that's going to vary from investor to investor. But if if you've sold any stock within the past couple of weeks, there's a very good chance that you have at least some capital gains, and maybe opportunity zones is something to keep in mind. Investing in an opportunity zone fund, diversifying your 
asset allocation a little bit and taking advantage of this great tax program there. Uh, you know, I'm not saying you have to invest in opportunity zones today, uh, but the fact is, actually, you have at least 180 days, depending on how the capital gain was recognized, if it's through a partnership or individually, you have at least a few months to figure it out anyway. So uh, might might be an interesting way to diversify your portfolio. As you said, uh, you know, the alternative could be bonds. So, uh, you know, you're not going to get much return there. Uh, so it's something to think about. Uh, Craig, I actually want to talk with you uh, about the regs, actually, shifting away from the uh, the financial markets now for a minute. I don't want to go into too much detail right now. I, I know we've covered that in great detail over the past, uh, over several of my past most recent episodes here. Uh, but I do want to get your thoughts briefly for you and for your firm, OPZ Capital. What's been the biggest takeaway from the new regs and how has that affected your deal flow over the past few months? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the biggest thing has been Treasury has made it very clear from the beginning that they want to ensure widespread adoption of the program. I think, if anything, what's transpired here over the last eight weeks with the virus um, further ingrains, you know, the significance and the importance of trying to allocate capital into areas that have been left behind by the previous economic recession. I, I think that, you know, some of these areas are, are also might be get hit a little bit harder. Um, as, you know, people that are working in, in retail and hospitality, you know, space that might be, you know, living in some of these areas, um, potentially end up losing their jobs. So I, I think that opportunity zones and, you know, the willingness to invest in these areas is, is a very, very critical um, piece of, of the work that we can do, you know, to, to try to, you know, not only make investments that are, you know, made in a tax efficient manner, but also have the ability to positively impact, you know, thousands of lives across America. When you look at the regulations specifically, I mean, you know, there was some new language specifically relating to Section 1231 gains that I thought was very interesting in terms of previously, you know, since we're specifically addressing real estate, real estate owners that were exiting transactions had to wait to the end of the year. Now they have the ability to, to make those investments um, effectively when the transaction occurs prior to waiting to December 31st. Second thing that's a major um, change in, in what I view as a benefit is flexibility surrounding that 180-day period. Previously, it stated if you had a K-1 gain, you, you really you know, could either make it when that sale occurred, the date of the transaction occurred, if you were going to get a K-1 on December 31st. The second date would then be December 31st. Treasury provided further guidance that now allows you to go to April 15th, the first date for tax filing, not factoring in any extensions to make that investment. What that effectively means is you now until September 15th to allocate your capital. So to, to bring this to a simple real life example, if you sold your Apple stock in a family partnership last February, February of 2019, you'd effectively have now until September of 2020 of this year to allocate the capital into an opportunity zone fund. So that provides a tremendous amount of flexibility where people before were very concerned about working in these very narrow bands and windows. Um, additional changes to the regulations that I thought were interesting. We, we spoke about hospitality briefly, but now they're saying, which is a big concern about hospitality, is that you can incorporate, as an example, 
furniture and fixtures. So any improvements you make in buying a new bed, armoire, um, nightstand that is put into the um, facility, um, hotel, motel, whatever it might be, um, could be applied towards your um, substantial improvement test. In addition, you're now allowed to have a small piece of the business, meaning the hotel, for a sin business. So before people are concerned and a lot of revenue is derived um, from, from beer, wine, and liquor sales, now you can have a small piece of that lobby um, have a sin business in there effectively selling liquor, um, which was a major concern, you know, as, as a majority of hotels now do have some type of amenities to create kind of more of that, you know, live work feel environment. So just, you know, as a quick little summary, those are three little quick little bullet points. Well, that's great, Craig. I think uh, those are all three great bullet points there, especially that third bullet point, especially in these times. I mean, you're going to want to go down to the hotel bar for a drink these days, right? <laughs> Definitely, given what's going on. If, if anyone's at the hotel. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a very good point, too. Uh, well, Craig, this has been it's been very insightful. Thanks for joining me today. I, I really do appreciate you taking the time to join me during these uncertain times. And you've been a, a very steady voice today. And I think that, well, I know that I appreciate that. And I'm sure my listeners do as well. Uh, before we go, can you tell our listeners where they can go to learn more about you and OPZ Capital? Yeah, absolutely. Um, OPZCapital.com can also be reached at C Bernstein at OPZCapital.com. And that's C Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N. And it's OPZ, similar to Opportunity Zone. And then also, um, I'm very active on LinkedIn and um, post a lot of articles. And if anyone has any questions about the program as a whole, um, you know, deals we're seeing more than willing to help and get them pointed in the right direction. And, um, you know, I appreciate you having me on today, Jimmy. I hope everyone stays safe. Um, you know, use this as an opportunity to spend some time with your family. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to come through this and we'll end up being stronger than we were before. But I think that everyone right now, you know, I think we need to, you know, show some patience and, um, you know, we, we will. We'll identify a vaccine. And, you know, right now it might seem scary, but the world's not ending. Um, I don't think, you know, we're in a similar situation from leverage that we were in 08. Um, you know, I mentioned high yield, I think, you know, is one area that's, you know, could be very susceptible. But, you know, I, I think we're going to be okay. It's going to take some time, but, um, you know, the show's going to go on, so to speak. But um, stay safe and, and spend time with your family. And I uh, appreciate you having me on. Well, Craig, I agree 100% and could not have said it better myself. And again, really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. This has been great. For our listeners out there, I will have show notes for today's episode on the Opportunity Zones database website. You can find those show notes at opportunitydb.com slash podcast. And there you will find links to all of the resources that Craig and I discussed on today's show. And I'll be sure to link to Craig's email address as well as his LinkedIn account so you can follow along with what Craig is seeing and hearing and what he's posting on there. Craig, again, really appreciate you taking the time again to join me today and all my best to you and your family. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Jimmy. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you liked this episode, please rate and review us on iTunes. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by the Opportunity Database. Visit OpportunityDB.com to learn more about Opportunity Zones and Opportunity Zone Fund Investing. 
You can learn how to subscribe to this podcast and read more about today's guest in the show notes by visiting opportunitydb.com slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode. 